Uh, guys, if you're new to Grace Evan, uh, let me just tell you a quick something that you need to know today. Um, today, we, we observe the Lord's Supper once a month, normally on the second Sunday of the month. And it has been my conviction for some time that we as the Christian church made the, the, the Lord's Supper into an add-on. That is, you know, we would do everything we were going to do, and then uh, we would race to get to the communion table and get that over with because that was, that was at the end. That was just the thing we tacked on at the end. And we have been determined to, to not do that. In, in, in large measure, my brother and sister in Christ, I don't have a sermon for you today. I'm going to say a few things in a minute, but I don't have a sermon for you today because the sermon is here. Let me tell you what this sermon's about. It's about sin. It's about to the thing that made the broken body and the shed blood of Jesus Christ necessary. It's about my debt. It's about the remedy that God found for our sin. That's what this sermon is going to say to you later on. But our job is just to prepare you for the sermon. And so we've done several different things to try and help you ready yourself to, to meet the Lord in this sacrament. And we do all kinds of various things. And we've got a various thing for you this morning. Um, guys... We have lots of mission trips at Grace Evan, and and uh, this is not about a mission trip. This, what you're about to hear, is not about a mission trip. Um, it's about something you'll hear. She'll tell you all about it. Um, are you on? There you go, um, guys. Uh, last October, you can see this is uh, Charlene Wilson. She's a little bit height challenged, um, but. Um, uh, we took a medical team, uh, Charlene is a dentist, we took a metal, uh, sent a medical team to India, and, uh, and I went out to the airport to say goodbye to them. And um, I came back and told my wife that the thing that had so moved me was this little person. Um, because as I prayed over them, she began to weep. She had never done something like this, and India is the other, <laughs> other side of the planet. And... Um, to see her with all of her fears and all of her um, um, anxieties about going was just really moving for me. And then something happened. I wanted to tell you about it. The emotion Dr. Young saw at the airport was just the beginning of God preparing my heart to never be the same. When I was finally able to sit down in February and write about my experience, the result was a 14-page journal so bear with me as I try to condense the six-month journey into the next few minutes. To start the week in India, I was overwhelmed by the kindness, the beauty, and the warmth of these people. The dental need there was enormous, exhausting, and at the same time exhilarating. On the, only the second day of treating the people there, an incident occurred which has changed my life. My dental team consisted of myself and three assistants. One was Victoria Yancey, which many of you know. The other was Vivian, who was a uh, native employee. And the last was my translator, Ashwin, who was with the group Blessing India. We all wore masks, gloves, and although we had goggles, I would inadvertently remove them due to the heat and the fogging which resulted. As we were working on one of our patients, a blood splatter occurred which went in my eye and on Ashwin's cheek. Although it can take a week and a lot of paperwork 
to get these kinds of results back in the U.S., we found out within an hour. The patient had tested positive for the HIV virus or AIDS. Dr. Katu, the Indian doctors, and the rest of our team reassured me that I would not contract this disease from NI exposure. I knew the chances were minimal, and I also know this happens to those in the healthcare profession. This experience and this story is not about the dangers in India. Um, it's important to me that you understand that. I have known several people who have had an exposure, as I am sure you know someone. Amazingly, I received the antiviral medication I would need to take for the next 30 days within two to three hours of the exposure. I have to say that's a quicker response than I ever would have thought could have occurred in this area in India. I was also told I would need to take a six-week, three-month, and six-month blood test. Did I hear that right? I would have to wait six months before I could be certain I was okay. That morning and the rest of the afternoon was an emotional roller coaster. The science, which supported so strongly that I would not contract this disease, provided me little comfort. I was terrified. Ed Katu called Dr. Young and Jim Umloff to tell them of the incident for prayer purposes. We decided I would have to wait to tell Lowell in Memphis. We, of course, did not consider this a conversation for me to have with him on the phone from the other side of the world. We also decided that the team would not share this with anyone for the next six months. We were all concerned that the lack of education people have about this disease and how it is transmitted would have a negative effect on my family and on my dental practice. The Lord immediately began to work on two areas where I needed growth, my issue of control and also reliance on God. He taught me to seek comfort from prayer and scripture. No one in my family would know except Lowell, and I would not be able to share with them or with friends for six months. I did not want them to worry unnecessarily. The day following the exposure, I tried to refocus my attention from myself to the people who needed treatment. Later that evening, due to a lack of appetite, I became dehydrated and nauseous. This required IV fluids and phenogrin. Because I also had a reaction to the phenogrin, I was given more medication, which ultimately knocked me out for 18 hours. The care provided me during this time, not only by Ed and Sue, but also the rest of the team, is something I will never forget. We had two more days of clinic, which was hard work but very rewarding. The trip home was very difficult. As happy as I was to be coming home, I was so anxious about telling Lowell and what the next six months would bring. Believe me, there were times logic was completely pushed aside and every worst-case scenario haunted me until I would find myself literally on my knees. The first month back was awful because I just felt so bad physically. Although I knew it was the medicine making me sick, I just could not shake the fear that part of it could be a result of the exposure. I was haunted daily as I spent time with my husband, my children, even holding my neighbor's baby. Just day-to-day -day life had a whole new meaning. You see, the faith which has brought me through this and to this point is the same faith which also tells me I am not exempt from suffering and may even be called to suffer as a Christian. My recurrent question over the next month was, Oh, Lord, could this be my burden? The hardest part of that for me to come to peace with was how this particular burden would affect my husband and my children. 
This would not only be life-changing for me, but also for my family. I was also concerned for my employees and their families. They rely on the success of my practice as much as I do. I realize there are many other offices they could work in, but they are all like family to me. Each time my mind would go in this direction, I would find comfort in Scripture. Three days short of completing the meds, I had a severe neck and back pain along with a fever of 103, which sent me to the emergency room. A spinal tap was done to check for meningitis and also blood work for malaria. After two days in the hospital and all negative tests, I was allowed to go home. As thankful as I was for the negative test, I was concerned about the lack of answers. My first blood test for HIV was also done while I was there but would not be back for a week. Every doctor I saw explained to me that this had absolutely nothing to do with AIDS. I knew this, and I also knew it would not present acutely, but fear would grip me just the same. The doctors did explain that I had either had a 48-hour virus or I could have had a sepsis from the medication I was taking. The pain unfortunately worsened after I returned home, and I ended up back in the hospital for a blood patch due to a spinal fluid leak, which is not uncommon result with the spinal tap. After two days of rest, I remember this being a turning point. I felt better. I was not taking medication anymore, and I focused on what God wanted me to learn from this. I focused on prayer, Bible study, and the people of India. I found out in late October the patient's name is M. Krishna. He's 37 years old. He is married with two children. His wife was tested and is also in the early stages of the disease. The local village pastor, his wife, and their congregation were reaching out to this family. They were both receiving the antiviral medication they needed. I began to pray for their salvation, along with praying for all the terrible persecution, the floods, and other hardships these people were experiencing. I also had received my, my second negative blood test at this point. Only one more to go. In January, I also received news that Krishna had accepted Christ. I was amazed and overwhelmed. God's plan was unfolding before my eyes. Could this really be? Had he used my mistake of not wearing goggles to further his kingdom? I knew I was different. I knew I was growing. I knew Christ was actually more real to me in my daily life. But to think that this family gain knowledge of this disease and that they were receiving needed medication which could prolong their life, and most importantly, Krishna had become a Christian, was a feeling I cannot describe. In addition to all this good news, I received my last negative result on March 28th. I had not contracted this disease, nor would I ever contract this disease from this exposure. After the results were back, I had to make a decision of whether or not to share, and if so, how to share this experience. In the beginning, I was advised by people I love and respect to only share this with family and close friends. I know they were protecting me. I was so relieved by this advice because, you see, it provided me with continued safety. I was fine. My family was fine. And if I kept this to myself, there was no danger of my family or practice being affected in a negative way. Well, I quickly realized that relief does not equal peace. The Holy Spirit continued to nudge me, and as I prayed and studied, I could only find support for sharing this. If I had learned anything over the past six months... It is that our God is big enough to rely on for continued protection. To me, to keep this to myself was not sharing a gift I had been given by God. 
Although this trial was not my choice, I would not trade this experience for anything in the world. I feel privileged to have served our Lord this way and look forward to another opportunity to respond to his calling. I hope to see some of the same people again in India, if that is what the Lord wills for my family. I would like to share the words of a song with you that were sung in the service the week before I received my last results. When you lead me to the valley of vision, I can see you in the heights. And though my humbling wouldn't be my decision, it's here your glory shines so bright. So let me learn that the cross precedes the crown. To be low is to be high. That the valley's where you make me more like Christ. Let me find your grace in the valley. Let me find your life in my death. Let me find your joy in my sorrow, your wealth in my need, that you're near with every breath in the valley. In the daytime there are stars in heaven, but they only shine at night. And the deeper that I go into darkness, the more I see their radiant light. So let me learn that my losses are my gain. To be broken is to heal. That the valley's where your power is revealed. I hope by sharing this experience with you, it has allowed you to catch a glimpse of the mercy, grace, and sovereignty of our great God. As I close today, I would also like to share with you one of the many scriptures which provided me comfort during this time. This scripture references suffering. I hesitate to call my experience suffering. I know this does not compare to the loss of a loved one or the illnesses some of you have experienced, but I do consider this a trial. A time the Lord called me to depend on him and him alone. We are pressed on every side by troubles, but we are not crushed. We are perplexed, but not driven to despair. We are hunted down, but never abandoned by God. We get knocked down, but we are not destroyed. Through suffering, our bodies continue to share in the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be seen in our bodies. 2 Corinthians 4, 8-10 through 10. Now, you too can go on, of our, on one of our mission trips. <laughs> Guys, um, just, I'm just going to do this quickly, but if you've got a Bible, and you can open it to Psalm 40 real quick. When I read Psalm 40 just recently, it, everything in it drove me to think of this situation with the Wilsons. By the way, her husband's name is Lowell. She used the name, but but coming back to tell your husband that you've been exposed to the HIV virus? How do you like that? But look at Psalm 40 with me, guys. This is, David says, I waited patiently for the Lord. He inclined to me and heard my cry. He drew me up from the pit of destruction out of the miry bog and set my feet upon a rock. When Ed Katu called me from India, I, I, was, I was at Holiday Ham having lunch with somebody. He called me, and Ed was crying over the phone. Um, if you know Ed Katu, that's very unusual. Um, I raced back to this office, and I got Jeff Sample and Brent, and I said, I can't tell you the details. All I can tell you is we must pray. And so this little family has been held on to that for six months. Look, look at the text. I waited patiently for the Lord. 
Look at verse 3. He put a new song in my mouth. A song of praise to our God. Many will see and fear and put their trust in the Lord. God has drawn me out of this miry bog. He set my feet on on a rock. And there's a new song in my mouth. Does that not, does that not remind you of this? And then, um, verse five, you have multiplied, O Lord my God, your wondrous deeds and your thoughts towards us. None can compare to you. And, and this is what I wanted you to see. It's verses nine and ten, and then we'll, we'll move on. But in the midst of David thinking, God has delivered me. God has brought me out of this miry bog. God has set my feet on a, on a rock. He says this in verse 9. I have told the glad news of deliverance in the great congregation. Behold, I have not restrained my lips as you know, O Lord. I have not hidden your deliverance within my heart. I have spoken of your faithfulness and your salvation. I have not concealed your steadfast love and your faithfulness from the great congregation. That's what this was about. I have to tell you that um, after we got the last result that she was fine in March 28th, we all decided, let's go out and celebrate God's deliverance of Charlotte. So... The Wilsons, the Youngs, and the Katoos went out to supper to celebrate God's great goodness to them. On the way home, Charlene says, do you think I should share this with the congregation? And I and Ed Katoo said, no. Don't do it. About ten days later, I get this email from Charlene, and she's saying, I cannot conceal God's deliverance from the great congregation. They've got to hear about this. Shows you how much I know. Guys, would you praise God along with us? And bring that praise in your mouth as we all come to this table. Let's pray. Our Father, I I do thank you for the sweet thing that you did in this family. It could have been bad news, but it wasn't. But those were six long months as we waited to hear of what you had done and were going to do. But we celebrate today. And we celebrate because all of us have got stories of deliverance. All of us remember the miry bog. The details were different. But all of us had been there. And you have, over time, set our feet on a rock. So we've come to bring our own stories before these elements and to praise you for your deliverance from that bog, but also for your deliverance from our own sin. Now, O God, accept our worship and our praise. You are oh so deserving of it. We pray, of course, in Jesus' name.